0: Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power. And here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone.
1: Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in today to the program You Shall Receive Power with Colin Hone and Etienne McClintock. We are continuing our series of programs from the book 50 Days, Prayers and Devotionals to prepare for Christ's soon return and of course also preceding that to prepare for the latter rain. Now as we start our program, we just invite you to please bow with us in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we have been enjoying these studies in your word to understand righteousness, to understand the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit because this is the way in which we are reconciled, we are connected to you and Father, we just Thankful for this intimate relationship you offer each one of us. And, Father, we want to continue to progress down this path where we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we can actually taste and see how good you are. And we pray that you'll bless the listener, Father, that you'll bless Colin and myself today as we lead in the study of your word. May all be blessed, may all be drawn closer to you, Father, and may your Holy Spirit illuminate our minds to understand spiritual things. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our program today is on day 27 And the heading is Sinful Nature Efforts to Control So that will be an interesting uh, topic there Because I think one of the things that we'll start to bring out a little bit more in this, column Is an understanding of our humanity And the futility of us trying to save ourselves by our own works Therefore we need a power outside of ourselves to do that That's true and 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 we're born with this Sinful
2: nature That we've inherited mm. A sinful nature And uh, we might define What sin is Even today Great And uh, from God's word What sin is But we well, That's have this, the best way To define it Definitely Yeah What is sin But we have this Sinful nature And because of This sinful nature We can have What's called The Christian struggle mm. You know You become a Christian And you have this struggle Of wanting to obey God Now the non- non-believer does not have the struggle that the Christian has. Mm. The, uh, it's called the unconverted man in the Bible. He doesn't have the spirit of God and is not controlled by his, and he's controlled by his carnal mind completely. Yes. Okay. But according to Paul, the carnal mind is at enmity against God, and enmity means he's at war. Yes. For he's not subject to the law of God, not, neither can he be. And that's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, where he's not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can he
1: Yeah they would Carnal there is the word That's often translated As flesh as well in the Bible As the Greek mm. word sarx It means to be fleshly minded So in other words To be controlled by our senses By our appetites
2: Yeah by mm. our desires Yes that's right By our desires of the flesh
1: mm.
2: Now so the non-Christian Does not obey rules or laws Because God has put it in his heart To do so mm. He obeys for personal Like you said Carnal reasons For personal Selfish reasons because of social pressure example He might do things because it's socially acceptable To do things Or perhaps he was raised in a principled home And has a conscience that leads him to live a respectable life Now Ellen White writes this beautiful uh, Makes this beautiful comment in Steps to Christ page 58 This is an awesome book by the way Steps to Great Christ. Great little book, yeah. I'm actually reading it again at the moment, okay. and I read the first like couple of chapters the last couple of nights, and it mm. really explains how God is love mm. and how much he loves us and how it's demonstrated in in creation, how he demonstrates his love through sending his son. Uh, it's just a beautiful book called Steps to Christ. Yeah, the, the size and the enormity of the sacrifice demonstrates the love. Amazing. Yeah, but in Steps to Christ, page 58, you just want to read that for us, please. Sure.
1: It is true that there may be an outward correctness of deportment without the renewing power of Christ. The love of influence and the desire for the esteem of others may produce a well ordered life. Self respect may lead us to avoid the appearance of evil. A selfish heart may perform generous actions. And that's page 58, Steps to Christ. Yeah, so what
2: you're saying is because of our environment, you know what I mean, our selfishness, we might. Appear to do the right thing hmm. But the motives Aren't the right motives Right That's what it's all about The
1: hmm. motive is It's about our reputation And our respect And respect that yeah. others We want to generate From others on us yeah. they
2: selfish reasons Yes Yeah Now the Christian On the other hand Obeys God Because the spirit of God Has put the desire To obey in his heart and we can find that in Romans chapter
1: 6, verse 17. Romans 6, verse 17. It says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. That's right. And I love verse 18. Being then made
2: free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. Mm.
1: Okay. Beautiful. It also shows that the importance if obedience comes from the heart It has to come from the right doctrine and understanding the beautiful, loving character of our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And remember,
2: the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Mm. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's right. And that's why God has to give us a new heart and put new desires into our heart Mm. to obey his law. So the born-again individual very much wants to carry out God's will in their life. And uh, Paul calls this delighting in the law of God after the inward man. In Romans chapter 7, verse 22. You got that? Let's read that.
1: Romans 7, verse 22 says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man.
2: Hmm. That's right. So he talks about his delights in the law of God. And so under the new covenant promise that has been made, made available because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, under this new covenant that God has made, the Holy Spirit begins writing God's law on our hearts and our minds mm. under the new covenant. And you can read that in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 to 10. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 to 10.
1: And the Apostle Paul says, You because finding fault with them, he says, this is God says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There you go. So under the new covenant and the old
2: covenant, the basis of the covenant... Was the Ten Commandments That's right, yeah That was the basis of the covenant Mm. Was the basis of God's law The Ten Commandments But what did it say there? God's got to Israel didn't keep the covenant That's right So God says I'm going to have a new covenant Mm.
1: The the, the law external to the human experience is only administration of death because we cannot keep it. But when it's written in the mind and in the heart, it becomes a principle and the action of the human life, the human soul. So then we, by nature, because of the supernatural thing that God has done for us, giving us this new heart and new desires and new motives, we now live in obedience to the commandments of God, not because they're arbitrary, but because we love God and we are fulfilling the law of love. So God wants to
2: write his law or His Ten Commandments, on it says on our where? On our mind. In our hearts. And in our hearts. So thoughts and feelings. That's right. So there He is writing His law on our hearts. Now also we can confirm this in 2 Corinthians
1: chapter 3, verse 3, where it says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Now, an epistle basically is a letter. Yes.
2: Okay. And so what he's saying here is what did God write Write on the tablets of stone? What did he write? Law. The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, he? yes. But in fleshly tables of the heart. He wants to write this on our heart. I remember when I was in the Philippines and um, we had a whole bunch of different um, denominations coming together once a month. And they asked me to speak. And I actually mentioned that verse. And a lot of people who thought that law was done away with, that the Ten Commandments were done away with, when they read that verse and they said, wow, God wants to write his Ten Commandments on our heart, uh, many of them actually decided... That they wanted God to write his law on their hearts yeah. And they wanted to obey God's Ten Commandments
1: yeah, So how can there be a teaching That says that God has done away with the law When he actually says under the new covenant Which is the covenant that saves everybody And the covenant he will is, write is, the same law that was on the tables of stone We just read it there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3
2: So the basis of the covenant is God's law Under the old covenant He wrote it on stone mm. and, and, he, and Moses brought the law to them And he read it and they said Everything the Lord says we will do That's right they didn't realize that they couldn't do it. They would try to do it by their own effort. Yeah. And God says, he let him, let him go, didn't he? He said, okay. He had to learn, didn't he? We had to learn the hard way, or Israel had to learn mm. the hard way. But on the New Covenant, the awesome good news is God's going to put that on our hearts and give us a desire to obey him. Mm. It's a supernatural, as you said, a supernatural thing that God does Absolutely. to give us a desire to want to obey God's God's Lord.
1: Paul even says there in Romans chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness, obviously the laws, the principles of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. And then verse 32, why? So he asks the question and then he answers it, because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law.
2: That's exactly right. In in Romans 3, it goes on about, about they're trying to justify themselves by keeping the law. Yes. And then Paul sort of unpacking it says, listen, you're not under law, you're under grace. Hmm. But then he makes it clear because many Christians have said, oh, well, we're not under God's law, Ten Commandments. We don't have to keep Ten Commandments. But then if you read Romans chapter 3, verse 31, he says, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yeah, we establish the law. So it's just a new arrangement. God puts
1: the law in our hearts. A new arrangement, that's right. And establishing the law through faith doesn't actually make void the law like you're saying. So th- there's, something, there's something faulty in that understanding regarding the gospel. I mean, have you ever imagined? Could you imagine what the earth would be like
2: if God wrote God's Ten Commandments on our hearts and minds for every human being on this earth? What would it be like, oh. the planet? Well, there'd be no That'd murder. There'd be a little
1: heaven on earth,
2: wouldn't it? There'd be no murder. <laughs> there would be no stealing. There'd be no adultery. There'd be no uh, fornication. There'd be no diseases, no catching. anger. There'd be no uh, uh, covetousness. No sti- yeah, no lying. You could leave your house open. Imagine a No bit, slander. Uh, no gossiping. No courts. No police. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Could you imagine what the world would be like? It basically would be like heaven. Mm. And that's what heaven's going to be like. Oh, but so a place it's, to look forward to. It's awesome. So, however, what happens, though, is let's say we understand that and we believe this new covenant and we ask God. The new believer, though, or the new Christian, discovers very quickly that there's another very strong desire in him. yes. And that desire is for sin. Uh-huh. Now that he has the spirit of God, he's aware of his sinful desires where before many of those desires didn't really concern him. I remember before I came a Christian, I didn't care about sinning. I liked it. I wanted to sin. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I didn't even think about it. Probably didn't even feel guilty about it. I did it. Or ashamed. That's right. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you become aware of your sinful desires uh, before that didn't really concern us. So we've got this war within us. Mm. And so the Christian discovers that there are now two natures residing in him, one that desires to follow sin and the other desires to obey God. So you've got these fighting natures in us. Yes. And so Paul clearly describes the intense conflict experienced by every Christian when he wrote in that verse we just wrote, which was, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. Mm. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know there's nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Mm. For I have the desire to do what is good. So he wants to do what's good. That's right. But I cannot carry it out.
1: He he can will, but he can't do. I want to do it, but
2: I can't do it. For what I do is not the good I want to do. It's the evil I do not want to do. Mm. And this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Mm. So, again, you know, he finds this law at work with him. When he wants to do good, Evil's right there with him. Now, interesting, he tell, goes on and continues on in Romans 7. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Hmm. Doesn't he? He says, in my inner being. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work with my members. Then he says these words. What a wretched man I am Who oh. will rescue me from this body of death Thanks be to God Through Jesus Christ our Lord.
1: Mm. Yeah that's a, a, an interesting statement And that's one that's perplexed many people mm. Over the years Is Paul talking about a truly converted person here Or is he talking about an unconverted person And I'm saying well it's neither or It's actually a partial conversion It's actually a lukewarm condition Because If you look at the introduction to Romans chapter 7, which follows on from Romans 6, if you understand Romans 6, 7, makes a lot more sense. But it talks about four elements there. It talks about a wife, Mm. talks about the law, and then about the first husband, and then it comes on seeing a second husband. So this woman is in a relationship with her first husband. So she's married? She's married, yes. So the law which ties her to her husband is in force. And that's the law of the same flesh. Well, she can't divorce him because the law won't allow her to commit... Until he a... dies. Yeah, he's got to die. Yes. So the first husband's got to die. So what happens is she sees a second husband. She falls in love with the second husband. Now, if she marries a second husband while the first one's alive, she's committing adultery. Yes. If the second husband dies, she's released from it. So what Paul then explains here... Or the first here, husband dies. Sorry, who did if I the say that? If the first husband dies, then
2: she can actually marry the second then husband. Then she can marry the second husband. Okay. So
1: what he does, he explains here a person that has fallen in love with Jesus, but the first husband, which is sin, our yes. sinful human nature, our flesh our is desires, still alive. Our yeah. desire is still. And you see that in verse 4 and 5. Mm. So what happens is the first husband is still alive. So then the law of sin still has control over them, although they now are in love with the second husband. But they're in an adulterous relationship So it's not until the first husband actually dies That you're released from that law And now the same law that condemned the relationship Now can actually sanction the new relationship Because the first husband is gone He's gone He's moved out of the way And in Jesus Christ he's been crucified As well as it says in verse 4 of Romans 7 All right. So the first husband which is sin has to die he has to die, which is
2: us. We've got to deny self, take right up herself. our cross yes. and follow Jesus. That's right. All right. But I, I guess, you know, even as a Christian and you're, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I've been, yeah. say, 25 years now. Mm. Um, and I'm sure every listener can identify with the struggle Paul describes, though. Sure. You know, I, I, let's I can, be honest. I can relate to it. You sure. know, we struggle, often experience this struggle day by day, mm. month after month and year after year. And we never seem to obtain the victory that we want to have over sin. That's right. You know, we're, we're wanting to have this victory and every Christian is well aware of the fact that there is a law of sin dwelling within them. You know what I mean? Yes, that's right. The flesh always is with us, and we've got to constantly deny it. Because we're going to have a sinful nature until Jesus returns, until glorification. We're going to have this sinful nature, aren't we? Yeah,
1: we're going to have that fallen flesh. That's right. But we don't have to be a slave to it. That's right, yeah. That's the, that's well, the thing. the promise of the gospel is that we can, through Christ, become partakers of the divine nature, even while we are still walking in the flesh. So he can
2: subdue that yeah. and die ourselves to that. and. Um, And basically what you're saying is Mm. we can have God's nature implanted in our hearts. And it's a gift. Wow. That's an awesome. It's an awesome gift. So so we have this this war and we've got a desire we want to obey God. Mm. Because let's be honest, before you were a Christian, you didn't care. That's right. But once you become a Christian, you're aware of God's law and you want to obey God's law because you you love him.
1: When you see the beauty and the lovingness of the second husband, you want to obey him and you attract it to him. But you soon find it's pretty well, it's very impossible or difficult to do
2: that. Our sinful nature constantly seeks to make us a slave to the law mm. of sin, doesn't it? Mm. Yes, it does. So, what do we do as a Christian when we experience this intense struggle and sin in our life? Mm. You know, and then you, you know, you get this voice in your head. Come, you know, or this voice sort of tells you, you know, and I believe it's the devil coming in and says, "You're not even a Christian. Mm. You're not even a Christian." He goes, "Here's the truth of it." The truth that we're struggling is evidence that you are a Christian, I believe, because non-Christians, as a non-Christian, there was no struggle, mm. was it?
1: Yeah, he didn't care.
2: There was no struggle. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you've got a struggle. Yes. That's
1: the very evidence that you are a Christian. Mm. You are struggling. It's, it's with definitely evidence that the Spirit of God is working yeah. with you. He may not be in you yet. But he's definitely with you. You know that uh, those those programs we did earlier, Colin, where we spoke about Jesus promising the Comforter. He says, "If you keep, if you love me, then keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father to send you another Comforter, even the Spirit of Truth." And then it says, "For you know him, for he is with you, yes, and shall be in you." So I think the "shall be in you" part in Romans seven is not there yet. The "with you" part is definitely there's definitely conviction there. No question about it. That's right. So, like
2: you said. Before you didn't even have a struggle yeah. When you were a non-Christian But now you're a Christian And I'm sure you can relate to that You have struggles We yes, all do you do, that's right And I believe The reason there was no struggle Is because the Christian Has accepted Christ And takes the sin problem In his life seriously That he has this struggle
1: This He's man done. is sincerely Struggling with sin There's yeah. no insincerity I can't find any insincerity yeah. In the writing there yeah. But
2: he soon recognizes The impossibility of obeying, God's, uh, obeying God Due to the power of sin in life mm. And then Paul cries out What a wretched man that I am. Yes. You know, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And I guess every sincere Christian has experienced or expresses the same crying out to God. Mm. We say, God, who's going to deliver me from this struggle? Yes. This struggle. And then Paul gives us the answer. He then declares that deliverance from the law of sin can only happen through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm. Amen. So in a minute, we're going to look at the solution. We've got the problem and the struggle here that we all have. And the solution is in Romans chapter 8. You've got to keep reading.
1: You've got to keep reading. Yeah, look, these uh, headings, these uh, chapter headings and chapter... um... Or Romans chapter 6, for example, tells us what's possible... That's right.
2: You know, victory over sin is possible. Romans 7 says, but here's the struggle. Mm. And
1: Romans 8 comes out and says, here is the solution. That's right. It's a continuous writing. And Paul is actually repeating and enlarging on some of the statements he made earlier to explain them. So let's read
2: Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. Okay. Let's read that where Paul lays out the solution to this dilemma that every Christian faces wanting to obey God, hmm. but being powerless within themselves to do it. We can't do it within ourselves. Hmm, that's right. So
1: what does Paul say? Yeah, so he's talking about this man feeling that's the strong condemnation of the law because he can't find the power within himself to do it. But it says there in verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's freedom there now. That's talking about your marriage thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: So you're saying you, this, you've been free from that. You're not under the con- condemnation now.
1: That's right. And, and it's all come through Christ. And as we look at Hebrews 7 verse 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. So we died with Christ that you may me married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So verse 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is the same action, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Mm. And then it says this interesting thing. It says what the law could not do. In other words, you can't by the works of the law affect this. What the law could not do. It it was weak through the flesh. This is our fallen flesh, our our carnal nature. That's right. It was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And then on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In fallen flesh, he condemned it. And then it says in verse 4 that what purpose? That the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, the fallen human nature, mm. but walk according to the Spirit. So that baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. So the secret is to walk according to the Spirit. Amen. And another
2: version says that God, by sending his son, his own son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. Yes. And so he condemns sin in sinful man. Mm. In order that righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. We don't live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So the secret is to live according to the Spirit, That's right. to be daily baptized with the Holy Spirit, mm. to have daily Christ live out his righteous life in and through you. Amen. So as Christians, we've got to let Jesus live through us. The law of spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Mm. Put another way, we must let Jesus live out his life in and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is what what Paul says, walking in the Spirit, when he says we are to walk in the Spirit. And he further elaborates on his letter in Galatians. In Galatians, he says um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Can you read that? Sure. It
1: says, I say then, walk in the Spirit Mm. and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There you go. Let's just stop right there. Yeah. Because I think he just made a very clear statement. Very
2: clear statement. He says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that's
1: the answer. Mm. That's right. So the man in, in Romans 7 is still walking in the flesh. Yes. He's wanting to walk in the spirit. Yes. But if he follows this counsel here, if he walked in the spirit, he will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So no. there's got to be one or the other.
2: Right. Because the yeah. flesh lust continues on. It says, for the flesh lusts after the, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so they cannot do
1: the things that they would. That's right So if you just read verse 17 by itself It would be very confusing Now what are the things that you want to do that you can't do Because it says you know the flesh lusts against the spirit Spirit against the flesh So there's there's conflict between the two Mm. These are contrary to one another So that you do not do the things that you wish Now are these the good things that you wish to do Or the bad things that you wish to do If you look in the context of verse 16 It's the bad things you wish to do that you no longer do Because if you walk in the spirit You will no longer fulfill the lust of the flesh so there's what the a secret beautiful of living promise. a Christian life. Yeah, amen. That is a beautiful promise. We've got to receive it by faith. It's a walk
2: by the Spirit and have Christ living out his life in and through you hmm. daily, moment by moment, throughout the day, continually looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.
1: That's right. It's a state of continuous surrender. But we delight in it because we have the continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Mm -hmm. transaction is so beautiful. Why would we not deny ourselves the things that cause shame and concern for us and and failure and defeat when we can actually walk in the Spirit, receive the fullness of Christ living in us continually, have that close communion with heaven, with our Creator? Incredible. What a gift. Um, I mean, it's really just a bad deal, isn't it? Not from our perspective, but, you know, why would you want to go and live in the flesh? That is the bad deal you, you've, you've been given so much by God I remember Enoch Remember Enoch must have
2: walked by the Spirit Yeah Because he walked straight into heaven He did He walked straight into heaven By faith It's 300 says. years he yeah. walked in the Spirit And so we need to have the experience of Enoch And we need to have the faith of Jesus And Jesus living out his life So, So we just need to pray and ask God Or Christ to live out his life in and through us And walk by the Spirit And then We won't walk, have the lust of the flesh There's Mm. a
1: secret That is the secret Well Colin we're coming uh, very close to the end of the first half of this program But I think just in summary what we've spoken about so far Is we've spoken about the importance of understanding that our flesh has hostility towards God We start there in Romans chapter 8 verse 7 There's a struggle isn't there Yeah it says that the carnal mind is enmity against God It's not even subject to his law and it cannot be So while we walk in the flesh we cannot keep the law of God. We can't do the good things we want to. We may be able to will if we've experienced the love of God and we've been drawn to him, as it talks about as, as the first husband. But how to find that is an impossible. And the Romans 7 guy, very sincere, has now fallen in love with the Lord, wants to do all the good things, but the flesh is still in control. Mm. It's not subject to the law of God. It can't be. And when we come back, to your listener, we're going to continue our, our further study on. Whether you are a real Christian or not, you may be asking that question if you're going through the experience, but we have good news for you, so stay tuned.
3: Maybe your eyesight is struggling, you live a busy life without time to relax with a book, or you find theological writing difficult to understand. We think we have the answer. Audiobooks. 3ABN Australia Radio regularly host book readings on air featuring topics in health, Christian lifestyle and more. Audiobooks are wonderful because you can listen on the go and learn through sound. This month, 3ABN highly recommends our listeners to discover the Desire of Ages project, produced by Golden Eagle Films and Myers Media. While it features the exact original words of its author, Ellen G. White, the Desire of Ages Project has been dramatized with professional voice artists and a full orchestra soundtrack to tell the powerful story of God defeating Satan. To download your own free copy of this audiobook, visit the or contact 3ABN Australia Radio on 02-4973-3456.
1: Welcome back to You Shall Receive Power. We are looking at day 27, which is sinful nature's effort to control. So just before the break, we were talking about the fallen nature of ours struggling for control and supremacy and how through the spirit you can actually subdue that nature by Denying self, taking up your cross and following Jesus And p- to be filled with the Holy Spirit So that we can walk in the Spirit So it's been a good study so far Colin I'm That's looking right. forward to the second
2: half Yeah well we just left on in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17 Where it says when Paul says this I say then Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh mm. So he's just given us the answer To not fulfill the lust of the flesh is by walking in the Spirit Amen And so because he says they're contrary to one another you can't have both That's right Yeah And so in the New Testament There's several expressions That are actually referring To the same experience So about walking the spirit uh, For example It might use the term Abide in Christ mm. Or Christ abides in you Walk in the spirit Or Christ in you We have the mind of Christ Yeah They're all referring to Christ Living out his life in, in you Through the Holy Spirit mm. That's what it means To walk in the spirit Is to have Jesus Abiding in you or have the mind of Christ, means to walk in the Spirit. And so many Christians say, am I really a Christian? And when a Christian experiences the struggle with sin and often loses the battle, he's tempted to question if he really is a Christian. And I want you to remember, uh, listeners, at such times, it's important to remember that if it's your heartfelt desire to obey God, that gives evidence of the spirit's presence in your life.
1: Mm, yes, so the putting, spirit is with you and convicting you, and he's working on you. Yeah, and it's
2: putting on your heart to want to even obey God. But and if you have the spirit of Christ, you belong to Christ. Romans mm. chapter eight verse nine says that. Mm. If you have the spirit of Christ, you belong to Christ.
1: Yes, so Romans eight verse nine says. And you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of Christ dwells in you. If
2: the word if is a conditional word, isn't it? That's right. If the spirit of Christ dwells in you, then you belong to Christ. Hmm.
1: And it says, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He is not his. Yeah.
2: Now, it's because you are a Christian that you're having this struggle. That's the whole point. So don't let let the devil or someone get in your head and say you're not even a Christian. The fact that you're even having this struggle means you are a Christian. The Holy Spirit is working on your heart. It's Mm. working. It's convicting you. And it's also important to remember that God actually understands the struggles you're having with sin. It's because of his spirit dwelling in you that you're even having this struggle that he's coming in you and convicting you and saying, convicting your sin and leading you to Jesus. You now have the born again spiritual nature along with your natural born sinful nature dwelling in you. So you've got these two natures dwelling in you. And these two natures are a constant conflict with each other. And from the moment of your new birth, you have been covered with the righteousness of Christ. And we can find that in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, Romans 5, verse 19, where it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Mm. And again, we got in, uh,
1: what's the next one? Romans
2: chapter 10, verse 4.
1: Yes it says for Christ is the end of the law Now the word end there is telos It means the aim, the object, the goal of the law Christ is the end of the law for righteousness To everyone who believes
2: Wow it's a great promise Mm. So basically Christ has freed you from the guilt and penalty of sin And we can read in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 and 6 Here is a prophecy 700 years written before Jesus was born About the Messiah Anyone want to read that? It's an awesome verse.
1: Yeah, so Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So through all this chastisement and suffering of Christ, we are healed. And then verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So whose sin?
2: Another word for iniquity is sin. So who's he laid our sins upon who? Upon Christ. It's been laid upon Christ. Mm. Upon Christ. And so therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without deeds of the Lord. We're justified by having faith in what Christ has done for us, that he took our sins upon him. And so that frees us from the guilt and penalty of sin. Mm. Okay. So that's the good news of the gospel. Yeah. And so the struggle you have with your sinful nature does not change that fact. Yeah. It's not going to change that. Mm. If you struggle with sin and you fail, Jesus Christ is still your advocate. So if you struggle with sin and you fail, Jesus Christ is still your advocate with the Father. That's
1: right. Yes. 1 John 2, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So he's, what he's what's he saying there? He's saying, hey, listen,
2: I don't want you to sin. Mm. <laughs> but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, That's Jesus Christ. That's why
1: Jesus is the advocate. It's for times like that. It he's is, a high priest, isn't yeah. he? We can go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in time of need. And then my favorite
2: verse in the whole Bible, mm. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9.
1: If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there we have he's faithful
2: to forgive our sins and so that we're justified. Mm. And not only that, he'll also cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will remove it and cleanse us or sanctify us or make us holy. Mm. It's just an, an awesome. He's going to do it all for us if we confess our sins. Wow! He will also do this. So do not let Satan take... Away from you, the insurance of salvation you have in Christ. In First John chapter five, verse eleven to thirteen, uh, Paul calls this the helmet of salvation. First John, chapter five, verse eleven to thirteen,
1: and it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So there's an assurance, isn't there? Mm. If you have the Son, you have
2: life. That's the good news. And Ephesians 6, verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Mm. So you may have struggled with some besetting sins for years and have yet to gain the complete victory. Remember when Peter asked Jesus if he could forgive someone even seven times? Hmm. He goes Peter goes to Jesus and says, Hey, listen, um, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? How many times, yeah, you know, yeah. do I have to forgive someone? And he, and he says, Is it seven times, Jesus? Yeah.
1: And what did Jesus say to well, wow, it's an interesting statement. It says seventy times seven, or seventy sevens. Yeah, and that really comes from the book of Daniel, where God said that seventy times seventy sevens, or four hundred ninety years, were to be cut off for Israel. Um, well, the Messiah would come. Yeah, that's right. And of course, their, their probation would close after that, unless they did a, a number of things, which are six things. But we don't have time to go into that now, at the moment.
2: Yeah. Mm. But basically, what he's saying is, hey, listen, you know, four hundred ninety times. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's just for a, a person. Mm. And God is so merciful. Mm. And so if Peter would have asked eight times, Jesus would have said 88 times, I reckon. <laughs>
1: 80 times. That's eight. right. It's more than seven. Keep yeah. on forgiving. Yeah. Yeah,
2: The point Christ was making is that the Christian is to forgive someone as many times as they ask us to forgive them. Mm-hmm. And God is no less forgiving than he requires us to be, is he? As often
1: we ask God to forgive us. He forgives us mm. yeah, God expects us to forgive just as he forgives and, and our forgiving should be an example of that It says "You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors
2: I remember a famous um, you know, preacher, J. Hudson Taylor mm. um, He had the same struggle And he described it in the introduction In his book we talked about it before For years he faced a failure and defeat Not being able to achieve the victory over temptation and sin He so desperately longed for and his letter to his mother stated he at times questioned if he even was a Christian mm. because of the struggles. Yes. And I know, I've, I've said that. Am I even a Christian? Sure.
1: And look, and Martin Luther went through the same experience yeah. as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you being a Christian, the fact that you're struggling means you are a Christian. Mm. And he would often fall back on the insurance of salvation he had in Christ. This struggle continued until he discovered the marvelous truth of what it means to abide in Christ mm. and let him live out his life. In him From that moment forward He was a new man in Christ The secret of overcoming Is not trying to overcome Through your own efforts The secret of overcoming Is to surrender to Christ Mm. And ask him to live out His life of victory In and through you Because Jesus had the victory Mm. And he wants to give his victory To you
1: Yeah, It's almost a contradiction in terms To think that victory comes through surrender you use the word surrender there before, and it's, but it's not surrender to the sin. It's surrender to Christ that surrender brings the victory. Surrender
2: to Christ and, and ask mm. him to
1: give his victory that he already had when he lived on this earth. Mm.
2: Lord, give me your victory. Come and live in my life and have the victory for me and through me. Then you have what, the, the, what Jesus says, you have the peace that he promised you. Yes. Because then it's, you're asking him to do it, and that gives you the peace. So what's the problem? The problem with a struggling Christian is not that he doesn't want to obey God. Mm. The problem is that they don't know how to live a consistently obedient life. Yes. They just don't know how. Mm. And, and that's what this, uh, this uh, 50 Days Devotional is really about. Mm. It's to help the born-again Christian to find that simple yet elusive truth of how to let Christ live out his life in them. Mm. And when you discover this truth, there will no longer be a struggle with temptation. Because the problem is, is you're normally focusing on the temptation. And when you're focusing on the temptation, you are trying to fight it
1: through your own efforts. That's right. Yeah. Well, Peter was able to do the impossible because Jesus said to him, come, and he walked on the water. And then he looked at the boisterous waves around him. His focus went off Jesus and he started to sink. That's right. So if our focus remains on Jesus, like you're saying, we can do things that appear impossible.
2: That's right. So the only struggle will be is to decide if you want Christ to give you the victory over that particular sin. Mm. That's the only struggle. And you can even ask Jesus, Lord, give me a desire to even want to have the victory over sin. And he'll even give you the desire to say, Lord, Amen. I want to have the victory. Let's say you love something and you don't even want to give it up. Mm. But you know it's wrong. Yes. And so we're going to tell you how to go to Christ to have that victory. But you might even don't want to even give that up. Sure. You might love it too much. so. Being there, even, you yeah. can even ask God. Even have say, a
1: T-shirt for it. I think you got a T-shirt.
2: <laughs> you can go to God and say, "Jesus, even give me the
1: desire to even want to have the victory over mm, this sin," mm. and He'll give that to you. Yeah. Sometimes I've had to pray that prayer, Lord, uh, make me willing to be willing because I'm not even willing. <laughs> and the Lord has done that. Uh, it surprises me how the Lord has answered that prayer because I, I know it's wrong, but I desired the wrong thing because I enjoy it. Yes. And then I said, Lord. I can't, you have to take this away from me. I'm willing for you to make me willing so you can take it away. Lord,
2: help me to be willing to be willing. Willing to be willing, that's right. That's right. So, right now, you might be thinking, okay, that just can't be true. Mm. Or you might be receiving hope that there really is no answer. Maybe you're believing there is no answer to the struggle you are having. And I pray that you are receiving hope. After all, the Bible says that, you know, as many as received him, to them he gave power mm. to become sons of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, "As many as receive Christ, He then gives you power to become sons of God." Yes, that's found in John chapter one verse twelve. Mm. And the word tra- the word translated power comes from the Greek word from which we get the English word dynamite.
1: Dynamite, you're yeah, the dunamis power of God. Yeah, yeah.
2: Basically, dynamite. There's no shortage of power with God. Mm. Just remember, this God created the whole universe by the power of His word. Mm. And so there's no lack of power on God's part. We only have to ask. And he says that, doesn't he, mm. in Luke chapter
1: 11? How yes. many times did he say, ask? For five or six times, I think Seek. it's ask. Yeah.
2: Find. Mm. And so there's no shortage of power with God. The problem is that many or even most Christians don't know how to let God manifest his dynamite power in their lives for victory over every temptation and sin. Mm. So I want to reassure you from God's word that the Christian can truly live a victorious life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And basically this 50 days devotional is all about about helping you understand under the Holy Spirit's enlightenment, discover that truth for yourself. Mm. Now, the first step in experience the complete deliverance Jesus wants you to have over sin, and you might want to write this one down, we're going to give you the steps. The first step in experience the complete deliverance Jesus wants to, you to have over sin is to recognize that you have no power within yourself to obtain the victory. Mm. So the first step you've got to come to is you have no power within yourself to obtain the victory. Now, most of the self-help books out there and most religions will tell you that you have the power within.
1: Mm. you've got to dig deep. It's, yeah. you,
2: it's from within Every major religion yeah. Spiritualism Major religions of the world Say The power is from within mm. Yet the Bible says That you have no power From within mm. To overcome The Bible teaches That power's got to come from without It's got to come from God from else, yeah, It's got, got to, come to come from, from, elsewhere. from Outside yeah. So you, that's the first step You must recognize And come to that decision And say I have no power with myself To mm. obtain the victory mm. You must realize That you're absolutely helpless when it comes to overcoming the temptations in your life. Mm. And you know that's true because, you know what, you've tried it and I've tried it. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Yes. You know, willpower, sometimes I can do it, but sometimes I don't. But eventually Mm. you fall. Willpower runs out very quickly, I've noticed. That's right. Basically, you have a will, but you don't have any power. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. So you must realize you're absolutely helpless when it comes to overcoming the temptations in your life. That's step one. Mm. The natural born sinful nature is so strong in you that its power would make you a slave to it unless the power of God delivers you from that slavery. Mm. This is the very point Paul was making in Romans chapter 7. Yes. The very point. So the natural response of every Christian to God's command is to put forth effort with God's help to try to obey, isn't it? This, so yeah. we, we say, "Let's, I've got to put an effort in. Mm. And can you help me, Lord? Yes. So it's like. My effort plus God's help. Mm, mm, well, how much help do you think you need? Mm. 10% of God's help? 50%? 80%? Yeah. Even
1: 99%? Yeah, and you do 1% and God as 99? No, you need 100% Amen. of God. Yeah. So we don't believe in being saved by faith and works. It's faith alone. That's
2: right. Yeah. So what I want you to realize is that your striving to obey will cause you to fail every time. Yes. And I know it's true because I've tried it. mm And it happens to me every time You do not have it in you to obey No matter how hard you try You don't have it in you to obey Even if you think you can With God's added power United with your effort to obey You must realize that you can do absolutely nothing To live an obedient life Mm. As far as putting forth effort is concerned This is because of the extremely powerful sinful nature That we have That we all have That resides in us Yes Instead of str- you struggling with a temptation, you must depend 100% on Christ for the victory. And so we want to emphasize so strongly the fact that our victory over temptation and sin comes only as we allow Christ to live out his life in us. Not by struggling with a temptation. Our struggle, and there is a struggle. Yes. Our struggle is to maintain our hold on God and
1: keep faith in his promises for victory. Mm. Because he promises he will give you the victory That's right So when the temptation comes It's not trying to grit your teeth And you know Pump your muscles up And try harder It's actually by Abiding in Christ That's the temptation Is to draw you away From from your source of power Which is Christ
2: That's right And so you've got choice You either focus on the temptation Mm. All right And then what you do Is you try and overcome it please help me Lord Please help me And try to overcome it Mm. All right And you can't Or You can turn to Christ And ask him For the victory And believe it by faith That he will Mm. give you the victory And I love what Peter says In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 Peter just unpacks it beautifully
1: here It says By which have been given to us Exceedingly great and precious promises That through these That is through the promises That have been given to us You may be partakers of the divine nature Having escaped the corruption Or the depravity That is in the world through lust Wow, so we've got this great exceedingly promise
2: by God Mm. So God's basically promised that we can be partakers of the divine nature Yeah. What an incredible promise To be partakers of the divine nature of God Mm. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust And so Peter goes on to tell us that as we partake of this divine nature Which is Christ living in us That's where it's at we will be growing more and more like Christ, and as we overcome our sinful nature's effort to manifest sinful desires, we'll develop faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Mm. Just they're all the fruits of the spirit, yeah in Galatians 5:22: love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, long-suffering, temperance, even. Mm. And even in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9, uh, Paul paint, points out that the fruit of the Spirit is godliness and righteousness. Mm. So how do we receive the Spirit? By, by receiving Christ. That's right. Christ lives in us through the Spirit. Mm, mm. And so this is how we receive the divine nature of Christ living in us. And I just love what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, where Paul gives us incredible
1: Promise as well. Mm, So it's actually where our focus needs to be, isn't it? but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So that beholding has to be there. By beholding, we become changed. I mean, even, sorry, just to interrupt this little reading a little bit here, but even the psychologists say that people move to their most constant dominant thoughts. So whatever occupies your mind the most is what you become like. You are what you you eat, for example. If you dwell on good things, yeah, you become. Better in your thoughts, you bedell on bad things. You become. Uh, what you think of So if someone's thinking Depressing thoughts They keep on thinking them They become more depressed And there can actually be A, d- a downward spiral And for someone That's actually suffered With depression I've realized that I myself Got to As soon as there's a, a, a thought That's negative I've got to take that thought And move it away Straight away So I can dwell on the positive So here Coming back to this beautiful text But we with unveiled face Beholding as in a mirror The glory of the Lord So we've got to see The glory Which is the character of God The glory of the Lord Are being transformed by beholding we become changed into the same image So by beholding the glory of the Lord We transform into that same glorious image From glory to glory So it's a process We begin in glory And there's more glory to follow Just as by the spirit of the Lord So there's the how Yeah
2: So I love what Paul, what Paul's saying As we behold So who are you to behold? Christ Jesus yes. As you behold Christ and look unto Jesus Right it says the glory of the Lord, your change into the same image, into the image of Jesus mm. by beholding Jesus, by spending time with Jesus, by walking with Jesus, spending time in his word and reflecting on his life and his death and his resurrection. By beholding, it says you're change in the same image from glory to glory. Now, God's glory in Exodus chapter 25, when Moses asks God's glory, he says, show me your glory. yes. And God said, yeah, I'll show you my glory. And it's found in Exodus chapter 25. Mm. And he says, I'll let all my goodness pass before you. That's I right. am merciful, long-suffering, I am good. Mm. And then interestingly, so God describes his character and he says, I'll let my name pass before you. So God's glory is his name and his character. Yeah. And you can even find in Revelation chapter 14 verse 1 where it says God, this is God's last day people. Mm the last people who are living before Jesus comes, it says they have the Father's name written on their forehead. So that's the glorious revelation of the character yeah. of God to the world. And then, then interesting, that you read straight after that when he says, I'll show you my glory, he then gives him, he, God gives Moses his law, mm. the Ten Commandments, which are a transcript or transcript of his glory mm. or his character. Yes. So God's glory is his law, his name. His character, and interestingly, in Re- Revelation's eighteen verse one, where it talks about just before Jesus comes, when this latter rain of the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on the God's people, hmm. the latter rain of the Spirit, those who have grown in the early rain of the Holy Spirit, which is the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, remember the hope of glory, uh-huh. change into His glory. Amen. It says that God's glory is going to light up this
1: earth. Through his people mm. So the glory of God Which is the glory That God is in heaven His character Is somehow going to be Revealed on earth So how would it be revealed? Through. Is it going to be Like a bright shining light Somewhere in the sky? How is that going to work? Through his people Through his people Through his
2: people They will develop They will grow Into the likeness of Jesus And they will have His character mm. They will have The faith of Jesus The character of Jesus They'll have God's law Written on their mind And hearts mm. That's why in Revelation 14 It says They have the Father's name
1: written on their foreheads. Yes. They have. So that's a great transformation from being a sinful, fallen, erring human being to having that transformation that we can become more and more like Jesus until we reveal that loving character of God.
2: And that's a process. This Mm. is why it's glory to glory. It's Mm. from character development, from character to character. And those people who receive the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, who grow in this early rain of the Holy Spirit of Christ in the hope of glory, they are going to repeat the three angels' messages mm. of Revelations 14, 6 to 12 in the most powerful demonstration of God's love that has ever been seen on this planet. It says it'll be like the days of Pentecost, but even greater. And they're going to oh. demonstrate God's glory or his character. And they're going to reflect his character. They're going to have his law written on their mind and hearts. And in Revelations 14, it does say that. It says the people who give the three angels' messages in Revelation 14:6 to mm. 12. It says, "Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus."
1: Mm. Yeah, beautiful thoughts to close on there on our second half, Colin. And I just love that the fact that you know it's through the exceedingly great and precious promises that have been given to us that we can become partakers. Of the divine nature. You mentioned before about that power that we find in the words of Christ, you know, that dunamis dynamite power. And uh, Romans chapter 1, the introduction to the book, which we studied a little bit out of today, actually says that Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the dynamite power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and then also to the Greek. And then it says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. As we just read from glory to glory, it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's a process. It is a process. Amen. Well, dear listener, we're just going to take a short break to share our contact details with you. And we'll come back just for some closing remarks after that. Stay tuned.
0: Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 249 73 Or you can send an email to Radio at 3 dot .au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page We look forward to hearing from you
1: Welcome back, we are just wrapping up our program today and it was looking at the sinful nature and its efforts to control us and just before the break we were talking about by beholding Jesus we can become changed into his image from glory to glory. And dear listener, we pray that you would actually receive the power of the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, which is able to transform and change our lives so that we can become more like Jesus, love the Father as he loved the Father, and love our fellow man as he loved his fellow man as well.
2: And basically, so it's through Christ living in us by the Holy Spirit that we are moment by moment and day by day, Changed in a Christ's image mm. Every temptation we overcome By allowing Christ To manifest himself In that particular area Of our life Will lead us to be changed Into the image of Christ In that area of our life Yes That is why Paul writes That we are changed Into the same image From glory to glory Even as by the spirit of the Lord mm. It's by the spirit of the Lord Yes Amen And since the power Of our sinful nature Is overcome by Christ Living in us There's the secret the power of our sinful nature is overcome by Christ living in us. Mm. And interesting, I want to just leave you with this. In Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, it talks about the seventh trumpet being blown. Yes. And the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet before Christ comes. Mm. And it's just, you know, why the, why the seven last plagues are happening, why all disasters are happening on the earth it says the mystery of God will be revealed to the universe. And the mystery of, of the universe is found in Colossians one twenty six and 27 and 28 and 29, which says the mystery of godliness is Christ in you. You, the hope of glory. The hope
1: of glory. Yeah, there's the word glory mentioned again. There it is. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Colin. And thank you, dear listener, for spending time with us today in this beautiful study. We pray that God will continue to bless you as you study and minister and continue to behold Jesus and to be filled daily with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Until next time, God bless you.